You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join The Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and Each week, a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's called Didn't I Just Feed You? It's a weekly candid conversation about feeding our families, even for parents who hate to cook. Hosts Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn are two food professionals who get real about feeding kids, tweens, and teens because they're also busy working moms, so they get it. They talk about how to turn things like nachos into a legit family dinner, to the magic of meatballs, to solving the after-school snack problem, even reducing kitchen waste and debt all at once. They chat with guests from Food Network stars to everyday moms who, let's be honest, are the real experts. In fact, Didn't I Just Feed You is a staple on the iTunes Top 100 Food Podcasts and the only food podcast made with parents in mind. Stacey and Megan are on a mission to make cooking easier, more delicious, and maybe even a little bit more fun. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, you can also find Stacey and Megan on Instagram and Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are celebrating International Women's Day all this month, and I have a pretty special women woman here to talk to you. I have Christine Michelle Carter, and wait till you hear all about her. She is known as the number one global voice for working moms and has been featured in the Washington Post and New York Times. And Christine works with the Congressional Caucus on Black Women and Girls, the U.S. Department of Labor, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce on maternal and child care related issue, and has most recently worked on the maternal initiatives of Vice President Kamala Harris, including the Maternal Care Act. Wow. Not just that, she's also a mom of two kiddos, eight and 10 years old. So Christine, welcome. Thank you so much, Robin, for having me. I think we have pretty similar interests. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, We definitely do. We care about women. We care about working moms, especially. And we know that in this day, as we talk today, we are two years into the pandemic and we know that parents, especially moms, have been hit the hardest mm-hmm. and they're really struggling. And one of the things that you do is you help working moms to transition to new flexible opportunities without having to sacrifice their income. 
And so we want to, I want to, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. There's so many things I want to ask you about. So I'm going to pepper you with questions today. And, uh, and I want to start talking about working moms and let's talk about the stress that they're under first. And then I want to ask you what you do to help them transition. And what does that look like? Sure. So they are under a tremendous amount of stress and all it's going to do is impact our future and impact their children. I was saying we have similar interests because on my website, I have a quote from Malcolm X, the mother's the first teacher of the child, the message she gives that child, that child gives to the world. So our first line of defense for a greater future is mothers, is working mothers in particular. And the stress that they're under from child care to inflation to no national paid leave policy to employers who are just starting to recognize how difficult it is to have a motherhood penalty in the office and then to have the unpaid household work that you have to do when you get home is absolutely ridiculous. It's a true wonder that here in the US that these women are still surviving and it's no wonder that we are in a national mental health crisis. Completely agree. And, you know, when you say that they're still surviving, surviving, yeah, but not, not thriving. thriving. Right. No, exactly. no, mental health is affected. Physical health is affected. And I know that what happens is, and I love that quote by Malcolm X. In fact, I'm going to put it in the show notes because that is, that is beautiful and so right. <laughs> you know, I always say that the way that the way to change the world is in the way we parent our kids. That's right. You know, because what they learn here with us is how they will be in the world. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, them not thriving, you know, what happens is, is we often give a lot to our work and then the people who suffer are those who are at home. And then we yell and we maybe aren't our best selves that we can be. And so somewhere there is something's got to give. Not, right? only that, not only that, but when we can't thrive even professionally, and we know that tons and tons of women had to drop out of the workforce. Mm -hmm. When we can't thrive professionally, then our kids don't see us in that light as leaders, as working professionals. Mm -hmm. And studies have shown that kids pick up skills, leadership skills like empathy and, and um, conflict resolution from their mothers. And many mm -hmm. CEOs have said that they've learned great leadership skills from their mothers versus their fathers. So we are directly impacting uh, the future of business, the future of work as well. Absolutely. And, and it's so interesting because actually women leaders and mom leaders are very impactful in the workplace because we do bring the ability to have empathy, compassion, curiosity. Also <laughs> we're great at multitasking, right? right. We're, we're very we're productive, very, very productive. And when a workplace treats us right, we are even more dedicated and harder working than when we're brushed aside and 
called names like, oh my gosh, she's so dramatic. Or she's just, you know, oh, she's got kids, you know. She's got to leave for the day. She's got to leave early. And I love how you said the first part of that sentence, when workplaces treat us right, because so many historically didn't prior to the pandemic. And now we're starting to see more companies doing that, but it's a little too, it's too little too late, in my opinion. I agree. You know, it's interesting. I remember uh, going through a crisis with one of my kids and uh, there was a bunch of appointments. I had, you know, explained to my boss what was going on. And he's like, can't your husband do some of these appointments? Like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he could, but do you, like, you obviously don't understand like how this is, you know, it has to be me. It has to, you know. Or that's not what I asked you. Just plain and simple. That's not what I asked you. Right. Yes or no. (laughs) What's your point? Yeah. It's what I wish I had said. Yeah. I just, oh, been there. I mean, I've really been there. And that's one of the reasons I left what I was doing because I felt that way. I felt marginalized. I felt, um, you know, inferior. I absolutely Mm -hmm. did. And they reinforced it in so many different ways that it was completely unfair. Yeah. So, so, so what are you seeing? So when women say that they're leaving the the workforce, what is it, is it for all those reasons we've just said, and then how do you transition them into something different? How do you help them? It is for all of those reasons we just said more often than not, it is uh, because of the cost of childcare. We are in a childcare crisis. We're actually in a caregiving crisis. So there is a nursing shortage and a childcare shortage that I know all too well because I care for my aging father and my children. And we are experiencing it here in Maryland, no different from the rest of the country. But when that isn't the issue, I help women find remote and flexible jobs through my network of partners that I have through my blog, through the christinemichellecarter.com blog. Um, I'm also providing resources on how to work remote how to delegate responsibilities to your kids, how to assert yourself and stand up for yourself at work, because there's a lot of staying in the workforce that has to do with how you show up at home and how you show up at work. And it really is about helping those women overcome the imposter syndrome, overcome the feeling of inferiority to everybody else in the workplace who doesn't have children and advocate for themselves. Oh my gosh, you just said so many delicious things. <laughs> I, love it. I love it so much. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, so yes, uh, how to work remotely is oh, it's, it's such a gift, honestly. To, to when, yeah. when, well, when your kids aren't at home learning, it's great to work remotely. Right. For, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, not everybody is that way. So I do yeah. understand that. But talk about how to delegate things to your kids. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I, this is so critical. And it was such an aha moment for me that didn't happen until I became a single mother. I was so busy trying to handle everything. And if my husband at the time did something and he didn't do it the way that I would have done it, I would get upset. Um, definitely more anxious, definitely more on edge. And then when I became a single mom, I just didn't have the time for perfection. It just had to get done. I had to be productive. 
So I had to have an honest conversation with my kids and, and my kids and I have the best relationship, I think, because I do have honest conversations with them and they recognize there's no man in this house, you know, so they have to pick up some of the slack around the house. They have chores, they have responsibilities. They understand that there's consequences to not doing those chores or those responsibilities. Um, my daughter cooks dinner for us. She's an amazing cook because of it. My son is great at cleaning and taking out the trash and and washing clothes. And so is my daughter. And it alleviates so much off of me. Is it perfect? No. But does it need to be really? No. You know, um, the, the idea, and I wrote about this recently from Motherly, which was, I hear so many women saying, I don't have time for self-care. My kids are always busting in my room at night. I don't even have a moment to myself. And it's really about enforcing boundaries. And delegation is one of those boundaries. It's saying that I can't handle everything. I shouldn't have to handle everything. It's unfair for everything in the house to fall on me. You can delegate to kids as young as two years old. There's nothing wrong with that. And these people are in the house as well. And they're making the messes as well. So they can handle some of the responsibilities of the home. You're not asking them to do the taxes. You're asking them to pick up after themselves. Why can't they learn to budget? Seriously. No, right. that's, that's, that, that is so great. But not only are you getting their help, you're, you're also teaching them some vital life skills, which we're going to talk a little bit about in a minute oh, when totally. we talk about the toolbox item that you have on how to avoid being a codependent parent, like codependent yes. with your kids. So yes. that yes. I, I can't wait to talk about. So I really love all that. Related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, come on. It's time to stop thinking perfection is an attainable goal. Let's not do that. Frozen pizza is not a crime. If we need to have that for dinner, it's fine. Let's just get people fed and happy. And, you know, I think one of the things that you touched on is that I think that women are just so afraid to ask for help because putting your hand up and saying, I need help shows that you're not perfect. Well, no kidding. No kidding. And open you up to judgment. Right. right. And honestly, here's the thing. If I don't ask you for help, then I'm going to do it myself. And who's going to suffer? Me? My kids are going to suffer? So let's just, let's just right now decide that it is okay to ask for help. It is okay to say, I'm not perfect. And it's okay. I'm perfectly imperfect. And I embrace it. And it's, it's okay. Absolutely. And I just did a piece for LinkedIn yesterday about toxic positivity and how that Mm. is contributing to the mental health crisis for for moms. I truly believe that because of women pushing toxic positivity and, and telling women, especially mothers, to push through the anxiety and depression. And there is there's comfort in going through the grief of realizing that we're in the middle of, we're two years into a pandemic. There's comfort in talking about how upset you feel because you don't know when it's gonna end and you don't know when you're gonna have a moment away from your kids other than work. There's comfort in knowing that other people feel that way. So to hide that and and to be, uh, to show toxic positivity is only, it's not just hurting you, it's hurting your fellow mom. 
So I definitely went in on the, the LinkedIn article and I was like, you know, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of my kids. I'm sick of walking around in sweatpants from the, the waist down. I'm sick of not knowing if school is going to close one minute or the next. You know, I, I'm sick of not wearing bras. Like I'm sick of not being able to date. It's absolutely, I'm sick of it. Okay. If I'm the number one global voice for working moms and I'm telling you I'm sick of it, then you have every right to say, I'm sick of this. Don't be toxic. Uh, don't be, don't have toxic positivity. So for me to say, oh, Christine, it's okay. Don't worry. It's, it, right. it's okay to wear those sweatpants. That's not acknowledging no. my pain. Right. Oh. Yeah. No, no. You'll date one day. Don't worry. There's a right. lot of time. That's what you're talking about. Toxic positivity. Because right. exactly. you're disregarding my pain. Absolutely. You're not Absolutely. listening to me. There's no empathy in that. There is, um, it is right. It's completely disregarding the reality of my life right now. And I may or may not be sitting in sweatpants right now, uh, <laughs> but I really am. So right. leggings, <laughs> leggings over here. Yeah, right. So- Yeah, in in all truth, but no, I I appreciate that. And to be honest, I've never really heard of toxic positivity. I am a pretty positive person, but I'm also, I have also learned to be empathetic and all people want is to be heard. Yeah. And, you know, I have experienced, I have experienced that too. In fact, actually a week ago, I was with some friends and I was talking about some side effects that one of my boys had to uh, medication that he was on and uh, it created some ticks and uh, some loud noises that were really uncomfortable. And literally they just said, oh, well, you know, no big deal. You know, like, oh, it's just that. Mm. And I was like, dude, Okay, sure. All right. Like, what am I going to say? Like double down on how bad it was? Like, no, you know, but that makes you feel really like, oh, you didn't get it. And that's okay. Yeah, I guess anything. I'm the kind of mother who is like, it hurts. And I don't like doing that. If anything, I'm the kind of mother who's like, well, let's try this remedy and this remedy and that remedy. And I will try my hardest to help. And I recognize my weakness is just saying, I don't know how to help, but I Mm. want to help so bad that I will try and think of 87 different solutions for those tips. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When in fact I wasn't asking for help, I was just sharing. Right. Right. And I think you have to be invited to help. And sometimes people just want to say the thing that they're they're struggling with. Exactly. Exactly. So that's really interesting. Um, I, yeah. So what do you suggest instead of looking on the sunny side for people who might want like, because people think they're just motivating their friend. They think, Oh no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's going to be okay. It's going to be better. Sure. Maybe. But in this moment, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that because part of me knows that this is probably temporary, but in this moment I'm feeling it. So what do you tell people to say to validate the other person? Yeah. And they really probably are coming from the best intentions and they don't want you to dig into a deep depression and get into a hole. But the, the truly the best thing that you can do is sit in the hole with somebody. Honestly, Mm. it's the reason you visit people at the hospital versus telling them, get up and come see me. You'll be fine. You know, you, you visit them in the hole, you visit them in their place where they are, you meet them where they are until they recover. It's no different. I think that's really great. It's like, if you, it's so funny because with mental health stuff, with, 
you know, just with our thoughts, our feelings, you know, people just have such a hard time relating to that. But if I came to you with a broken leg, you wouldn't tell me to go for a walk with you. Right. You'd be like, no, no, here, no, I'll sit with you. Cause you need to sit. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I really like that. So well, we're talking about working moms and we're talking about, you know, what, what they need, how can they, even if they don't have a workplace that appreciates them, how can they feel empowered? Again, it goes back to delegating, communicating mm-hmm. openly and honestly, um, setting boundaries in the workplace. You can be the most junior of employee in a workplace and set boundaries because you're human like everyone else and you deserve them. So it's more so about digging to with, with working moms, the why, why they feel so uncomfortable about setting boundaries or why they don't want to delegate responsibilities. And then it, you kind of, with moms, I, I kind of get into the hearing things about the perfection versus the productivity or the inferiority that they're feeling. It always goes back to that. And a lot of my articles deal with how to overcome that. But that is truly what you have to do. You have to delegate. You have to set boundaries. You have to communicate very clearly. Yes. And that is a learned skill. It is. It takes time. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is that it all comes down to fear. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. afraid that you're going to call me out because I already think that I'm less than maybe. Right. 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 And the last thing I want is for you to say, yeah, yeah, you're less than actually. Exactly. It's not an overnight fix and it is a muscle that you have to exercise. Yeah. And how, how are, do you have any tips on how we can better communicate with our bosses? Because I think, you know, look, I was in a, I was in a, a company where if we did speak up the next thing, you know, it's on your review, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, well, you said this thing, you did, did this thing or, or, or whatever. And like, that's sort of terrifying, right? Because it, it relates is. to how much money you make then. And, you know, Absolutely. you're rated. I mean, there's nothing worse than having a rating system of where you, I mean, I just, anyway, I have, I have a problem with it all. I won't get into it, but anyway, right. <laughs> how can but you, then again, I, but again, it goes back to fear. And yeah. I think about in that situation, I would probably coach someone to push back and, and talk about the fact that they, in a diplomatic fashion, uh, voice their opinion. And then their boss came to them with a negative response on their review. If that is truly what happened, then you can open up the door for a conversation above your boss with his superior. You know, it's and look at your eyes. That's a little, your eyes are like, oh my God, look, but look at the fear that you have. Yeah. Again, that's that's a muscle that you have to work. I'm like the rock with this. Okay. But yeah. not everybody's gonna be like have that strong of a muscle. But to to take baby steps is just to voice your opinion and to be vocal or to be present when you're not asked to be present. So getting getting into uncomfortable situations. So something as small as like getting up from your desk and walking to your boss's office and saying good morning. For some people, right, your eyes again. For some people, that is um, that incites fear. But it, it, it absolutely is flexing and you don't realize it indirectly, like your presentation and your leadership skills, you know, because leaders have to be ready to speak at the drop of a dime. As you said, like pushing back 
um, on things that you don't agree with in the workplace. It's, it's small, small baby steps that get you to the point where you can advocate for yourself, you feel in charge and you feel like a leader of your own career. Because honestly, at the end of the day, if you don't learn these skills, no one is going to advocate for you at work but you. Your boss doesn't care about your career. He cares about his career. No one is going to care about your career as much as you. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And you're all, and and that boss might be gone tomorrow. And, uh, wow. you know, I think that in such a male dominated workplace, if that's where you work, which was definitely my reality. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it absolutely was intimidating. I know I felt, I felt like I was just so young and I just didn't, you know, I just didn't know what to do. And there was nobody there to coach me and teach me. So I'm so glad you're here with the information that you share. And if you, you know, you mentioned your website, but it's christinemichellecarter.com and it'll be in the show notes. Please go there. She's got tons of articles and blogs and just resources that you can take in and it will help you. It will absolutely help you. Uh, so, so thank you for that. I mean, I think that's, I think that's really, really important. And that's, you know, I think you got to push through. You're absolutely right. You got it. Like, okay, I got this. I got this. And Robin, can I say with yeah. the blog, it's not just my writing, it's other working moms and mom executives. So it's not all of my thoughts. I really wanted to make sure the blog had the perspectives of other women so that you were getting different sources of advice and different experiences. So it, 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 I think I'm very proud of it because there are so many mom executives who are contributing to it. Oh, I love it. So it's a curated collection of, Absolutely. yeah, of pretty amazing women. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking here and you've got professionalism in the workplace. Um, eight ways to discover what jobs match your skills, 12 companies with four day work weeks that hire remote workers. Hello. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. So let's talk about how you, so, so where are you in the transition, uh, helping women with that? Uh, that article is amazing. So we, we can start there, but what is it that you do to get them to a place where they can have a more flexible workplace where they feel valued and valuable? So I do a lot of mock interviews, resume, cover letter, writing and editing, as well as um, sharing presentation skills, best practices that I've experienced. Aside from the curated content on the blog, I'm always available um, to, to, you can schedule time with me anytime if you want to just like pick my brain or, or mm -hmm. ask any specific questions. But other than that, I would say through my articles with Forbes, um, I just did a piece yesterday actually about women dominated industries. Sadly, only health and wellness is a woman dominated industry. Really? But through that, I also yeah, through that, I also share um, resources as far as like policies that impact working moms, a lot of data to support any type of argument a mother needs to make in the workplace, such as like advocating for mother's rooms or flexible work. So sharing resources and, and, and offering my time is probably the biggest way. Oh, that's really great. All of that is really, really valuable. Like just having somebody in your corner mm -hmm. is, is what we need. And unfortunately, I think that in the workplace, you may have somebody who you want to share with, or you ask for a mentor, but they don't, may not always have your best interest in mind. You know, right. they may be competing right. they, for the same they job. Be, or... 
I'm sorry. No, not everybody can give you an objective opinion. A yeah. lot of people project their experiences and will tell you, oh, don't do that because I tried to do that. And they'll put you, they'll give you their ceiling. So I just try to come with an objective opinion and the sky's the limit. If, if a mom is saying to me, I want to try and get to this place in X amount of years. Well, I have resources like a career map and we work on what a career map could look like. That is so awesome. I love that. I really, really love that. Jeez, I wish I, I wish I knew you many, many years ago. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm glad I'm not doing that work anymore and I'm doing this work. So I, I will say that. There that that is good. So so that's really that's that's really exciting that you that you do that and you have that and you offer that. And and the fact that you're sharing policies and different things like that and you know, the other thing I want to say is that I'm sure a lot of what you share is universally true. You know, as you know, I'm Canadian and there's a lot of listeners that are Canadian. So we definitely have a different dynamic, especially when we talk about, you know, maternity leave and that sort of thing. Um, you know, we do have that, but, but understanding policies is good because then you can hold your, your boss accountable. And I think we need to do that. Right. Absolutely. I, when I returned to work after I had Maya 11 years ago, I had to pump in a bathroom stall because nobody was advocating for me. Nobody was telling me what policies and laws were in place. It didn't behoove the company to do that. So I had mm -hmm. to do that research and realize that I was entitled to an adequate, adequate space. Was it as nice as the mother's rooms that I designed for companies now? No, but I pay it forward by making sure that other women have really nice mother's rooms when they go yeah. back to work. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny speaking of policies, I had no idea of this one, uh, this one called constructive dismissal. Uh, do you have that in the States? I don't think so. No, no. So it's basically, it, 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 it applies to a change of position or, or even it could even be a, a, a different bonus structure or pay structure or whatever that you don't agree to. Uh, therefore the law sees it as you being constructively dismissed. And, um, I didn't know about that hmm. until, uh, I had to take some time off work because my son had a, had a really bad accident. And I had to be there for him to help him. He was in a wheelchair. He had a cast from his top of his thigh to the end of his toes. And anyway, so it was, it was a big deal. And so while I was gone and I haven't, haven't really talked about it. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave some of the details out, but I, you know, all those eye uh, wide eye uh, faces that I just made at you when you were talking about how to approach your boss and say things. So I was more shy, reserved. I didn't really speak my mind as much. And then this thing happened, right? So I was off and my work changed my job to a completely different kind of job. And I said, I was, and, and so I was like, I knew while I was off, it was happening, but nobody told me. Mm. And so before I came back, I had an urgent interview with my boss, or sorry, an urgent meeting with my boss. I said, look, I've got to talk to you before I come back. Cause I knew he was going on holiday. So I said, I hear that you have changed my job. And he said, yep. Then I said, but you didn't tell me. And he said, well, <laughs> like too bad. Like I can do whatever I want. And luckily I had a friend who was in HR who didn't work there anymore, but knew everything about HR. And she said, actually that's constructive dismissal. So I did talk to a lawyer before I went into this meeting with him. And I wasn't going to say it, but he said to me, he literally said to me, so what are you going to do? 
Cause I said, I won't do it. I said, I won't do it. He said, what are you going to do? Are you going to quit? And I said, no, I'm not going to quit. Right. And I said, well, and then there was the silence. And so I had to say, well, this amounts to constructive dismissal. I have never seen him get so mad. He got so mad at me. He stormed out of the room and I was like, that's it. That's it. That's it. I'd never seen him again. I have to this day, never seen him in person again. Um, And then our head of HR said, I have never seen him that upset before. What did you do? And I'm the nice one. I was always the nice one. And so I can tell you it felt great to do it, but it was not easy. You know, it was scary. So first of all, you called somebody out on their illegal behavior Mm -hmm. in an appropriate manner. Second, you were dealing with your son going through a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. So you yourself were going through a traumatic event. And I have to ask you how your son is and how you are. Uh, He's changed for life. He, he completely destroyed his knee, his leg. Yeah. And had to have emergency surgery and he'll never be the same. He'll need a knee replacement, uh, maybe two. Eventually it's, it was a horrific accident. It really was really bad and it was avoidable and yeah. And, and, and that's horrific for you. And, and my heart goes out to you because that forever changed your life. That wasn't in your trajectory for him. And it has changed his life as well. So you had to go through all of that BS and then go to him and tell him, how could you change my job? Like that, right. That's, that's kind of, it's, and we all have so many stories like that. And people don't understand all of the weight that we face as mothers and you can't even treat us correctly and legally. And we have right. to put up a fight for our legal rights. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, not only that. Um, so thank you for the empathy. I appreciate that. And uh, you know, like I no, don't share it. Uh, and in the, the funny thing is, is not funny. Haha. Uh, when I did speak with HR, cause they called me right away and I knew they would. And it was like, you know, my stomach is in my throat. And um because I didn't want to do this job, that was it. It was that job or nothing. And they told me that. And I said, well, what about a buyout? And they're like, no, not one for you. You don't get one. And I said, well, then we need to like, no, there's no way. So I did have a lawyer and went to bat for myself. Good. And I got it. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But I mean, how dare they? Like that yeah. was like, whoa. And you know, yeah. it hurts to this day. I'll say it hurts to this day because there wasn't closure. Um, you know, I was there for 15 years of my life and that hurts, you know? Right. right. Yeah. When you, when you feel, when you don't feel the empathy from an employer, absolutely. No. And I'm really glad. Thank you for sharing that story. Cause I know you said you hadn't shared it before, but I think that your audience needed to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's fear in sharing it, you know, fear in talking about it and the experience that I went through retribution, even, you know, it's a, it's a big company and, and, and I, I still, you know, I, I, I think the world of the company itself, I I know how good the people are within it. I really, truly do. But um, yeah, it was, it was hard. It it hurt and it's hard. And, um, and it, was the greatest gift because it allowed me to transition to doing this work. So with everything, you know, um, there, there was a gift there for sure. Good. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the 
toolbox item that you have for us. And we're sort of transitioning into something a little bit different of a conversation. And this applies to any mom, any parent, whether you work or you don't work. And that is being codependent in your parenting, which is so interesting. The way I describe it is running your own agenda. That's I what I describe it as, right? Where you disregard what your yeah, what your kid really so wants. So many of us do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get trapped in it, right? And you don't yeah. realize it. And there's lots of reasons why we want to run our own agenda because we think we should, because we think that's what a good mom does. Maybe our mom or dad did it. And so we need to do it, right? Or we have this idea that, you know, my kid has to have a language, has to have a, a uh, uh, sorry, a second language has to play an instrument and has to master a sport. And meanwhile, they're miserable and fighting you all the way. Right. So I'll stop talking and let you take it away. Tell me what this is all about. Sure. So this is by far one of my favorite pieces that I wrote. I started off writing it about the fact that codependency is the need to be needed by someone else and interviewed a psychologist about it. And she was like, you know, codependency makes perfect sense after a traumatic event. Everybody knows that after motherhood, you have that first year, which is called matrescence, which changes your brain. So it is a traumatic event. You need to be needed by this person. Um, It actually is an underlying issue in your life and manifests itself after a traumatic event. So it's um, kind of the idea where, um, you kind of hints of codependency, you don't realize it. And then something big happens and then you just go full force into being codependent or having a codependent relationship. And it is the idea of, um, just basically doing everything for your children to their detriment. And for the article, I ended up interviewing different moms and, oh my God, are we not alone? The, the stories I heard, everything from I let my child sleep in the bed with me at night to I still go to my child's dorm and clean the dorm and do the laundry. Yeah, I heard everything <laughs> under the sun, okay? And it was the feeling of being needed and not enforcing boundaries. And, the, and by the way, the mother who... Um, goes to the dorm, she said, I should have never done it because now they can't stand on their own two feet by themselves. And then I did a follow-up article for Forbes about how that codependency manifests itself at work. And we become the office mom who's bringing in donuts, taking notes during meetings when you shouldn't be the one taking notes during meetings, serving as an informal mentor to somebody that you can't even mentor, like you don't have the expertise Mm -hmm. to mentor. So it was just so interesting to me to see how working moms show that codependency at home and at work Mm. and how important it is again for us to enforce boundaries and to delegate. Mm, That is so interesting. And what I, what I know is you're really making everything about you. I'm uncomfortable. So I'm doing this right. Instead, look, you're already uncomfortable. Let them do it. right? Right. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's totally unintentional, I must say, that it's coming from a place of hurt for sure, and trying to protect and and trying to control and trying to manage what you can. Mm -hmm. But it, it only hurts you more in the long run. Absolutely. And it ends up hurting others. You're right. 
Yeah. Well, and, and it's, you know, again, it's fear, right? It's fear, mm-hmm. it's hurt. And, uh, and, you know, who am I without this? And maybe we right. need to talk about the transition from being an active mom to being an empty nester. I mean, I wonder what, you know, if there is that time where maybe we, we do need a little bit of help to get through that, right? And rediscover our own selves and our, what we love. Well, Again. I think we hit that time a lot in motherhood. I had a, a mother once mm-hmm. tell me that you are a first time mom pretty much every year, mm-hmm. because when you started, you had an infant and you read all the books and you knew everything inside out. And then you ended up having a toddler and then you didn't know what it was like to parent a toddler. And then you didn't know what it was like to parent a third grader. And then you didn't know what it was like to parent a middle schooler. So mm-hmm. you're a first time mom every pretty much year. And I feel like I'm going through empty nest syndrome with a tween because she wants her space and her privacy. So we have these stages of motherhood that do incite fear, but we can't respond with trying to hold on tighter. If that makes sense. Oh, a hundred percent. Because the whole point of growing our kids up is unfortunately, but fortunately so that they grow away from us and live their own lives. I mean, imagine being smothered by your own parent. You would reject them eventually. Yeah. My mother does. I always say she puts the mother in smother. She knows that. And now I'm doing it. But my kids recognize, they can tell me, Ma, you're smothering. <laughs> yeah, you're going to parent the way you were parented, right? Right. So that makes sense. And, and again, it's from a beautiful place, but we have to recognize that you are doing more harm than good because you're running your own agenda, which means that you're not honoring what your child really wants and who they really are. And it, it will, you know, our kids want to please us. So what they end up doing sometimes is they will forget about what their own wants and needs are and do what you want them to, because they want to please you. And that's not okay. That's not okay. So we need to give them the space to grow up and away from us. And you know what? Parenting will break your heart. Yeah, absolutely. will more than once. And Oh, we need to embrace that in a way too. And, and, and you're absolutely right. There are those different stages. It is like parenting a new human. And just the other day, I was looking at pictures of my, my youngest who just turned 14. And I was looking at the pictures of him when he was like four and five. And I'm just thinking, where did that little guy go? Cause that's not who's, who's over here now. You know, exactly. he's a completely different person. Really. If we didn't experience the downs, how would we know how good the ups feel? If you didn't go through that experience at your job, how would you know how good it feels to give advice to another woman? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So you have some great uh, ideas here and some great examples. Uh, I love the mom who um, she paid her son's rent for three months and uh, didn't pay her own mortgage. Because right. she just it was yeah. she felt more comfortable making sure he was okay than her own self. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's that's a problem, Mama. Um, but you do you do offer some some more information and advice on this. And so if you find yourself caught in that, you know, don't judge yourself. Just say, no. okay, I just need a course correction. That's it, right. right? Right. We're so afraid of course corrections, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's your title, the fear of course correction. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. No kidding. Uh, yeah. You know what? There's nothing wrong with it. And again, it's that it's that perpetuation of this perfection that is 
it, that paralyzes us, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Well, thank you for everything that you've shared. I have so enjoyed talking to you. I could talk to you totally for another hour, uh, but we'll end I, here. I could too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, it's so great. And, uh, and I hope everybody goes to christinemichellecarter.com. Now you spell Michelle in a, in a unique way. So make sure you go to the show notes because it's Christine, M-I-C-H-E-L, carter.com. Just want to make that clear. Um, so, so people don't go to the wrong place. Um, Much appreciated. My father, I, uh, every time I have to tell this, but my father, my mother was like obsessed with Mickey Mouse when I was young and she was doped up in the hospital, obviously couldn't name me. So he chose Mickey and changed the K to an H and the Y to an L. So that's why. That's yeah. so funny. Well, so, Mike, I have, make sure you have somebody advocating for you in the hospital room, please. <laughs> that is hysterical. I remember when I first had my son, uh, somebody came in and said, oh, it's Parker. How do you spell that? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> it's right. no idea how to spell it. I have no idea. Like, don't ask me those kind of questions. <laughs> right. Who wants to answer that right now? Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Uh, we, we both laughed though. It was good. All right. Yes. Um, thank you so much for everything. And, uh, and for, for everybody, for everybody listening, it's parent-toolbox.com. And not only is Christine's article there with help and support, the links are there and there are over a hundred other parenting tools and subjects for you to consume that will just help you feel better about yourself and about your parenting and live your best life. So that's what, that's what, women like Christine and I want for you That's right? because That's we right. know it's possible. And I would say that I'm still a work in progress and I'm going to guess you would own Same. that as well. Yeah. Same. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think selfishly, we all should be working on our, our parenting and motherhood skills because selfishly, we don't mm -hmm. want other people's kids to be mean to our own. Yeah. So I, I, you know that selfishly, I want the world to be a better place because I don't want my kids to grow up in a horrible world. Me too. Me too. Yep. And it starts at home. It starts at home. Exactly. So, beautifully said. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you, Robin. I really appreciated being here. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.